two weeks because I just didn't really realize how fearful I really am. That a lot of things I don't do that I'm supposed to do, that I do do that I'm not doing, are because I'm fearful in some way. Uh, so I pray that, that you're going to be enlightened like I have been, and that somehow, some way, the Lord's going to speak strength and power into your life and not fear. But I began reading at the beginning of the week about a story of a great preacher from years ago named Harry Ironside. Harry told the story of playing a game called Bears with his son. What it is is the grown-up would be the bear, and the bear would chase the little boy all over the house. But one day, the game got just a little bit too real. The boy got cornered by the growling bear, and he truly became frightened. It wasn't a game anymore. The little boy hid his face in the corner, trembling with fear. And then he turned around quickly, and he threw himself into the arms of his daddy. And he said, I'm not afraid of you. You're my daddy. And I thought about that story. And I said, you know, that's exactly what God wants us to do when we're fearful. Our father wants us to realize who he is. Our Father in heaven wants us to realize that we never need to fear. And he said so much when he wrote to us in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 41 through the prophet Isaiah. And in that chapter, beginning in verse 8, he's, God is speaking to his children, Israel. But then he goes on in, a, in the next verse talking about me and you, speaking to us. Listen to what he says. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, who I've chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you whom I've taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions. I said to you, you are my servants. And I believe there he's speaking to believers that were yet to come. He said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and I have not cast you away. Listen to this. Fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So have you figured out yet which one of those giants is bullying you? Are you being bullied by the giant of fear? The giant of discouragement? The giant of loneliness, worry, or guilt? Are you being bullied by the giant of temptation, of anger, of doubt, or maybe the giant of past failure? Whatever giant is giving you grief, the Bible wants you to know that your God is bigger than that giant. Amen? Last week in Deuteronomy chapter 1, the scriptures pointed out to us five reasons why fear is so detrimental to our relationship with God. And what we learned was, is first of all, fear disregards God's plan. The scriptures told us that God has equipped us with the ability, with the passion, and with the understanding to charge forward and grab hold of the promises that have got your name on them. But fear 
disregards God's plan. We found also that we, when we live in fear, we begin to lose the, the vision, we begin to lose the view of how things truly are. What happens is, is fear distorts God's purposes. We also learn that fear discourages God's people. Fear can actually cause you to take away courage from somebody you love. Fear also disbelieves God's promises. See, we got a lot of memories and a lot of experiences where God has been faithful in our lives. But a lot of times we don't look back on what God has done. We look forward and all we see is this reason for our fear. So what happens is fear disbelieves the promises of God. And finally, we learned that fear disobeys God's principles. We found that fear not, that command from God, fear not, appears 365 times in the Bible. So why does God have to keep reminding me to fear not? Why? Because fear is simply disobedience. Fear is sin. It's disobedience. And disobedience always has a price. It always has a cost. For the nation of Israel, it was an entire lost generation. You remember the story. Those two men that came back and gave a good report. They overcame their fears. They stood firm in their faith. And they trusted God all the way to the end. So do you see why fear can be so detrimental to your relationship with God? Okay, Bill, I got it. That being the case... How do I force out my fears? How do I do this? Well, today, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to give you some practical steps that you can use to force fear out of your life. The first one is confront your fears honestly. Try as you might, your fears will never vanish all by themselves. Try as you might, fear will never just wear off. Fear ain't going nowhere. Unless you act. Unless you are willing to act. If you want to force your fear out, you got to do like David did. What did he do? He, went, he gathered up some stones, he put them in his pouch, and he took off and went forward to face that giant. He went to face his fear, to confront his fear. See, the first thing we got to understand is, is understand what the root of our fear really is. See, some people don't even know what they're scared of. They know they're scared. They have this spirit of fear. They know that they're not getting God's best because of that fear, but they don't really know why. And so I want to encourage you to confront your fear honestly. I think we've all been there at one time or another. And if so, when it happens again, I want you to look deeper. I want you to try to find out what's going on in here. I want you to try to get a specific reading, if you will, of why you're re really fearful. I want you to ask God to search your heart. Ask God to reveal what is going on in here. What's going on in my thoughts that are causing me to be scared. He knows what the problem is. He knows where in your life the problem lies. But you may need to get to the point where you let him show you. Amen. And I think that's where we all need to be is in a place where we let God show us where our fears are. Because you can run. But you can't hide. One day they're going to catch up. There's no way to run. You've got to just take a stand and you've got to face the truth about your fear. 
So what is really scaring you? What is it that's really causing you fear? Why is it scaring you so? That's where you got to begin, is identifying that fear. Because if you never confront your fear, it will loom over you till the day you die. So the first way to force out your fear, the first step you've got to take, is to confront your fears honestly. But the second step is to confess your fear for what it is. Confess your fear as sin. I mentioned last week that God has commanded us to fear not those 365 times, but we fear anyway, so what are we doing? We're sinning. Because fear is disobedience, plain and simple. Okay, I get it, Bill. You're calling me a sinner. You're calling me a disobedient servant. You're calling me a rebellious child. I get that. What do I do now? Well, there's only one thing to do. Whenever we recognize sin in our life, what's the first thing you got to do? You got to go before God. Humbly confess it as sin. Humbly confess it for what it is. And then come to him and humbly ask for the power to change. Because you don't like it in your life. No more than God likes it in, in your life. So we've got to be able to ask the power to change our minds about our fears. But to me, sometimes that seems just a little unrealistic. Sometimes I just can't just go to God and have those fears just vanquish, just be completely relieved. What do I do? How do I help it? I can't help how I feel, can I? I mean, emotions, they just come on me sometimes. And I don't feel, I feel like I'm powerless against the emotions. Well, friend, it's true that emotions do just come on you. But here's where you got the power. When the emotions flood you like, like waters uh, in a river, when those emotions flood you, you do have the power to act in response. You have the power to respond to that fear. So what do I got to do? I choose. I choose by the power of my will to obey God's voice no matter what my emotions may be saying. No matter how fearful I may be, I am going to obey God. Daily, maybe hourly, I've got to learn to be intentional about filling my life, about filling my thoughts, about filling my plans with his word and with his truth, not some emotion it's flooded me like a river. We choose daily. Listen to what the author of Psalm 34 testified. He said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. What did he do? He sought the Lord, the Lord heard him and delivered him from all his fears. To walk with God, friend, is to walk fearlessly. It's to walk fearlessly. So what do we got to do? First, we got to identify the fear. Second of all, we've got to confess the fear for what it is. But after we own up to our fears, there's something else that we should do. And that is that old biblical churchy word, repent. Once I identify it, once I confess it, then I need to get about the business of turning away from it. 
changing my mind about my fear, aligning my thoughts with God's thoughts about my fear, turning and walking completely in the opposite direction of my fears. Now, this next step is about taking advantage of some vast, vast resources that have, or have your name on them, that are at your fingertips. So confront your fear honestly. Confess that fear as sin. That's exactly what it is. And third, claim God's promises of protection. Claim God's promises of protection. Many believers, many followers, many disciples don't have an inkling of the treasure trove of promises of protection that are at their fingertips. The Bible overflows with practical promises of protection. And if any, any of those promises, if you'll grab hold of them, can be yours. Any of them. And it'll liberate you from your fears. Now, if I was a person who struggled with fear, if it was fear about my health, I know that many of you have struggled with uh, issues of, of fear about your health. I know that many of you have struggled with issues about your finances. Fearful in, in the days that you're in because of the lack of resources. Perhaps you're, you're facing this fear because you have a, a rough, rocky relationship with your spouse or a rough, rocky relationship with your family. Maybe you've got a, a rough, rocky relationship with your Lord. Friend, regardless of what they are, here's what I would do. If I struggled with fear, you know where my first stop would be? Where do you think it would be? The dollar store. If I struggled with fear about my health, about my finances, or about my relationships, my first stop would be the dollar store. And what I would do is I'd go in there and I'd buy me a pack of three by five index cards. And after I got those index cards, I would begin to write down on those index cards Bible verses that deal with fear. I'd take one of those cards and I would tape it to my bathroom mirror. If I struggled with fear, I'd write another Bible verse on a card and I'd tape one to the visor of my car. I'd tape another one to the side of my computer monitor. I'd take another one and I would put it in my wallet. And if things got really rough, I'd take another one and I'd tape it to my remote control at home. <laughs> What's the point? The first tingle of the spirit of fear that came on me, I would reach for that Bible verse. And I would read it out loud. And then I would read it again. Then I would read it again and again and again. And then I would ask God, God, demonstrate this practical, biblical truth about fear. Demonstrate this in the battlefield of my mind. Demonstrate the truth of this verse in the battlefield of my heart or my spirit. Does that interest you? Overcoming, forcing out your fears? Friend, if it does, then I want to give you five stones that you can put in your pouch that'll kill the giant of fear every time. Here's your first stone. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6. 
God says, be strong and of good courage. Last week we talked about what courage is. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the power to overcome the fear. But God says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. That's a pretty good stone, amen? Hey, I ain't done yet. Here's a second stone you can put in your pouch. And that is Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's a pretty good stone right there. Here's the third one. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is at my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's a good stone right there. Number four, Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. That's a good stone right there. But this fifth one, this fifth stone, this is the polished one. This is the one that will sail fast. This is the one that will sink right into the head of Goliath. It's Isaiah 41.10, where God says to the prophet Isaiah, Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Man, those five stones right there are the best fear insurance you can buy. And it came pretty cheap, amen? Write those verses down. Write them on a card. Tape them everywhere. Place them at the locations where your fear giant is likely to attack you. And then let God fortify your spirit with the truth and quit believing the lie. Because a lot of times, that's what fear is. is a big, fat lie. Of course, those five stones, those five verses are really only the beginning. All through the Bible, people knew what it was like to be afraid. Peter knew what it was like to be afraid. Paul knew what it was like to be afraid. They both faced their fears. And then I think of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, kneeling down in the Garden of Gethsemane less than 24 hours before his death, facing his fears. But all of those people, found strength in God to force out their fears. Now, this last step, it sounds so simple. This last step, it sounds so basic that you may think I can just ignore that one. Uh, maybe I'll just ignore how valuable that one really is. But don't do it. This last stone, this last step is so vitally important to driving out, forcing out your fear. The last step is to cultivate a closer relationship with God. You can confront your fears by drawing near to God. Did you hear how I addressed and how I emphasized that word, you? The reason I said that is because you can come to me and you can confess your fears to me and I can pray for you. 
You could tell me about your fears and I could give you spiritual direction. You could come to me with your fears and I can show you how to overcome your fears. But I can't do it for you. You must confront your fears. And you do so by drawing close to God. Remember back to those 12 spies that we talked about last week? Twelve spies who were sent into the promised land to take a look at the people, take a look at the cities, take a look at the food. Let us know what's going on in there. But when they returned, there were only two who refused to buy into that bad report that the other ten were making. Those two went on the same trip. Those two went and saw the same walled cities. Those two saw the same sons of Anakim, those huge people, these giants. But instead of joining their discouragement, Joshua and Caleb listened to the horror stories that the other ten made, and they said, you know, what they said might be true, but we can do this. The cost may be big, but we can do this. The difference between Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies was they used different yardsticks. The negative ten used and measured their giants by human standards. But Joshua and Caleb measured their giants by godly standards. So what made the difference for Joshua and Caleb? We find in the book of Numbers, chapter 32, verse 12, that Joshua and Caleb wholly, completely followed the Lord. Because of this intimate relationship with God, because they wholly, completely followed the Lord, Joshua and Caleb thought differently. Because of their relationship with the Lord, Joshua and Caleb acted differently. And because of their relationship with the Lord, when it came down to a crisis, Joshua and Caleb decided differently. See, that's when you find out what people are really made of. When a crisis hits. Amen? Not only do you find out what they're made of, but you really find out about what kind of relationship with God they have. Do you see things in human dimensions or in godly dimensions? Does your relationship with God have any bearing on how you face your fears? Does it make any difference at all? See, your fear level is ultimately a measurement of your closeness to God. Your fear level ultimately is a measurement of your closeness to God. 
if you have experienced his power, if you have witnessed his love, if you have experienced and observed his faithfulness over and over and over again, you simply become incapable, incapable of shrinking in fear to a human anxiety. Because you've already seen God in action in your life. You've already witnessed his faithfulness. And you're not about to shrink to some human emotion because you know God's got this. Now there's one last verse that is absolutely essential to forcing out fear. And it's found in the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, where the scripture says there is no fear. Say no fear. No fear. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made complete in love. See, the opposite of fear is not courage. We talked about what courage is. Courage is overcoming fears. But that's not the opposite of fear. The opposite of fear is not trust. The opposite of fear is love. How do you figure, Bill? Well, suppose one of your little children woke up in the middle of the night crying, unstoppably crying, scared of the dark. You wouldn't come in and say, come on, Billy, be courageous. No. Parents are much more tender-hearted than that. You would probably take that little fella up in your arms and you would cuddle him close and you would tell him I love you. You would say, everything's going to be okay. I'll always be here to protect you. You'd help him realize that he's in a safe place. You'd help him realize that there's nothing to be afraid of. And you'd remind him, that you're very near, even while he's sleeping. What you would do is you keep pouring in love. Keep pouring in love until the fear is cast out. Pour in love and the fear is cast out. And eventually, that little child can sleep in peace. Can I tell you that that is exactly what God does for us. When you call on him, he'll pour in the love and the fear will be cast out. But there's only one way that you can call on him for the peace and freedom from fear and that is in a relationship with him. An intimate, close relationship with him. So has our Heavenly Father become your daddy? So like that little boy, Harry Ironside's son, when you're faced with those fears, you say, say, I'm not scared of you. I'm going to my daddy. Do you understand how that relationship occurs? How he becomes daddy 
and not only our Father in heaven? John chapter 1, verse 12 speaks very clearly about it. John says, As many as received Jesus, that is, taken possession of what he offers, as many as received Jesus, to him he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Children don't have anything to fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. And even for you adult children, what can man do to you? Of whom shall you be afraid? You're a child of the Most High God. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus existed? Hey, that's a historical fact. We know that. Jesus not only existed, but do you believe that he lived in sinless perfection? Therefore, he was the only one, the only one who could die for your sins and mine. Do you believe? You see, God only allows absolute perfection in heaven. And without Jesus, ain't none of us going to be there. But we have Jesus Absolute perfection is something you and I could never have without him. And so Jesus died as our substitute. He died in our place that when we believe in him and receive what he's offered in the finished work on the cross, then what God does is God judges his sinless perfection, not my wretched sinfulness during our time of decision this morning I want you to choose Jesus amen and if you've never done that publicly willfully saying I believe in what Jesus did for me on the cross I believe and I need the promise of Isaiah 41 in my life Brother, what's that next slide say? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When I'm facing my fears, that's what I need. That's what I need. Amen? But it only comes through a relationship with the Most High. And that relationship only occurs through Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you love your children so much that you created an impossible situation where our sinfulness would not be judged but only be judged by the perfection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, if there is one here who has not placed their faith in the only one, that provides this relationship, Lord, I pray that today would be their day. But Lord, I also pray for we as Christians, Lord, when we face our fears, that we'd be willing to confront our fears honestly. Lord, that we would confess our fears for what they are, and that is sin, disobedience, even rebellion. Father, I pray that we would claim the promises of God for protection. 
And that, Lord, perhaps most of all, we would choose, Lord, to cultivate a closer relationship with you. Father, we do that, and our fear giant will be vanquished. What is my fear when God is my God? Of whom shall I fear? No one, because my God is bigger. The Lord is my light and my salvation. What can man do to me? The answer is nothing. Nothing. And Lord, for that power, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. And we give you the thanks. So Lord, for whatever decision needs to be made this morning, Father, you speak into the hearts, minds, and souls of your people. Lord, you draw them as only you can draw them. And we praise you for Jesus today who makes our relationship with you so simple. If we'll just receive him and take possession of what he has given us and believe in him, which of course involves following and discipling and serving. It's just that simple, Lord. Thank you for keeping it simple for my feeble mind. And I pray these things in gratitude in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.